I'm Lori Cousineau, and this is Colorful Conversations, a podcast hosted by my fourth graders, curious kids seeking common ground. This week, our guest is Samaji Best, Program Manager and Director of Fellowships for the Op-Ed Project. She'll tell you more about it, but the Op-Ed Project is an organization working to amplify the voices of the underrepresented by empowering them to take thought leadership positions in their fields through op-eds and much more. The Op-Ed Project's goal is to provide a diversity of voices working to solve the world's biggest problems, because when we become more inclusive, we collectively become more intelligent, free, and just. Samaji has spent her professional and personal life doing capacity building work even before her position at the Op-Ed Project. She's worked in resource poor areas of Dallas in a variety of roles. I met her when she was the curriculum coordinator for Cafe Momentum, working with formerly incarcerated teen interns, kids whom she adores and keeps in touch with to this day. She believes in the power of sharing our stories and doing life together. On the Alped website, each team member is pictured holding up a sign with a message explaining why they're part of the Alped team. Samaji's sign says, because Umoja and Ujima. These are two of the seven principles of Kwanzaa, and they sum up her values perfectly. Umoja means to strive for and maintain unity in the family, community, nation, and race. Ujima means collective work and responsibility, to build and maintain our community together and to make our brothers and sisters' problems our problems and to solve them together. Samaji is a strong, calm force for good in this world, and I can't tell you how grateful I am for her example for my students and our guests. Interviewing her on this episode are Sophia, Emma, and Ella Grace, and they do a fabulous job. I hope you enjoy this colorful conversation with Samaji as much as we enjoyed having it with her. We're so excited today to have a really special guest on Colorful Conversation. We have Ms. Samaji Best, and we thank you so much. This is take two of our episode with Samaji because we had technical difficulties the first time. So thank you so much for taking time during Giving Week to visit with us again. It really means so much to us. Samaji is, you are with the op-ed project, but I'm, you'll have to tell us, you're going to tell us more about that later, but I met Samaji about a year ago or a couple years ago when she worked with Cafe Momentum, but we are going to get started with our interview and I'm going to let the girls start off their questioning with her and you will get to know her as they start the interview, but you're going to be so glad you did. She is an amazing person doing amazing work in this world. So why don't we go ahead and get started, girls? How are you holding up right now? I'm holding up pretty well. So I'm currently in North Carolina, in a very small town in North Carolina, visiting some family on uh, my family's farm. And so I'm happy to be kind of away from the city for a little bit, outside of my house for the first time in a while, and getting to see some of my family. So, so far, so good. Do you have a self-care routine that has been helpful during the pandemic? Yes, ma'am. So every morning I get up and I walk about, or sometimes I jog, most of the time I walk, if I'm being honest about three and a half to four miles and I just kind of either listen to a sermon or I listen to praise and worship music on YouTube or something like that and just kind of take some time to start my day with God. Since COVID has happened, there are like such negative things on like social media and in the news all day that I think it's just like really important that I start my day centered with God and communing with Him about 
what's to come. I know you work for the op-ed project. For those who haven't heard of it, can you explain what the op-ed project is? Yeah. So the op-ed project is essentially a what we call diversity of ideas project. And basically what I do is help underrepresented people. So women of color, immigrants, people who may be formerly incarcerated, people with disabilities. I help them get their stories published in mainstream media, help them get podcasts or like on TED Talks or book deals and things like that. Can you tell us, like, are there some specific ones that maybe stand out to you that have been recently some story? I know you just did a really great story back in, it was something like September in the Huffington Post that really helped me to understand a lot about just what you were, you were feeling after Chadwick shows. But, but like some other stories that have maybe stood out to you recently. Yeah. So first, I guess I'll tell you what an op-ed is. An op-ed stands for opposite to editorial. An editorial is something in a newspaper. Have you guys ever picked up a newspaper and read a newspaper, like an actual paper newspaper? Yes? No? No? Because you do things online now. Okay. So back in the day when we actually read newspapers, the editorial was a piece that the editor wrote to the readers. And on the opposite page of that, were columns by people, just random people who had things to say, and that's what an op-ed is. Ms. Lori was referring to an op-ed that I wrote about just grief that, like, a lot of Black people were experiencing this year due to everything that was happening with, like, George Floyd and the protests and the pandemic and just, like, death in general. I was really sad, and I didn't know what to do with all this sadness, if I'm being honest. And so I got on Twitter, and I tweeted something, and then it went viral. Like, I woke up the next morning and, like, 20,000 people had retweeted it. And I was like, oh my God. But that let me know that other people were feeling the way that I felt. And so I started to write. I just kind of put my feelings on paper. And that led to me submitting it to the Huffington Post, which is an international publication. And they published it. And it turns out a lot of people felt the same way I did. So that's kind of what op-eds are for. They're for getting out how you feel or issuing a call to action. Like if you want somebody to do something, you could write an op-ed about them wanting to do something. I just had, so one of my fellowships was at Harvard Medical School, and I had a lot of doctors from Harvard up in Boston, and they were writing. This is a, it was a very special fellowship because, like, we're living through this medical crisis right now, right? And so to have a room full of doctors who are in the ER rooms, who are in the ICUs with these COVID-19 patients was really cool to see their perspectives and they really understand what was going on from a civilian's perspective, right? So most people wouldn't have really been able to know that, but because I was able to be in the room with them, I was. And they pinned this awesome article, one, to the university to kind of figure out how to help the disparities they were seeing in the hospital rooms. They were seeing a lot of COVID-19 patients, and most of them were minorities and people of color. And so that was something that was weighing very heavily on them. They felt very strongly about that. And then another op-ed that they pinned was to make their place of work a voting site because they felt voting was very important. And so they wrote an op-ed about making their place of, of business a voting site for next year, which is really cool. So those, that's probably the most recent one that comes to mind. I just have one quick follow-up about all of this. Do you feel like there is a more open dialogue now about these kind of issues than before? Because I think, like, it is not just healthcare and it is not just, I mean, I mean, I feel like there is, there has always been systemic issues around 
racism and around oppression and marginalization that have been there but have not been talked about and have not been seen and in the open that now people are looking at it a different way? Do you feel like people are, do you feel like that is being maybe more looked at or, do you, or am I wrong? I that, so when we look at the, the sheer number of people who have been affected by COVID-19 specifically, and then we look at the demographics, we start to be able to draw lines to why. And, and, and those become undeniable, right? And so when we talk about systemic issues, whether it be of like food deserts that exist, so like people of color are already, their health and their lifespan is already shorter due to like living near factories or redlining or things of that nature. And then you add in a global crisis like COVID-19, it's harder to deny. It's much more in your face than normal. So yes, I believe these conversations are, are becoming more prevalent and people are starting to ask more questions, which is important. So you have done some other really cool things during your career. So tell us about like some of the things you did before you were you worked with the Op-Ed Project. Yeah. So I worked for Mayor Mike Rawlings on the Girl South Initiative. The Girl South Initiative was his baby, his plan. And it was basically a project where we looked at Southern Dallas. So like you know where downtown is and like the, the ball and all that is, y'all, on the Trinity. So we looked at the neighborhoods that were south of that. So like by the zoo and like Bishop Arts and all, all those areas and like Trinity Groves. And we started to look at areas behind those and see why they were the, the way they were. Why like test scores were the way they were and why jobs and businesses were, weren't succeeding the way they should. And basically started to pump resources into those neighborhoods to kind of help them be better. That was a really cool project just because I lived in, I live on that side of town. I've lived on that side of town all of my life. And so to be able to help the neighborhood that I was actually from was one of my favorite jobs I've ever had. When I left there, I went to work for Dallas County for Commissioner Teresa Daniel. So like, you know, you have the city of Dallas, which is like this big, and then you have Dallas County, which is like this big, right? And there are all these cities within the city of Dallas, and they all have all these different problems, which require all these different kinds of solutions. And so I got to work on a lot of like laws and policy and legislation that affected people across the county, which is also really fun. Then I left county and I started working for Cafe Momentum, where I met Miss Lori. And that was really cool because I got to work with kids who didn't really have a support system at home, who didn't have necessarily have parents at home or didn't have a lot of opportunities to do some of the things that I would gotten the chance to do and I was able to help them do those things. So whether it be like taking them to see a play or taking them to a Mavericks game or like helping them get into college or whatever it is, I was able to help them do those things, which was really fun. I still love them. Those are my kids. I talk to them all the time, even though I don't work there anymore. Yeah. Hey guys, you know how the Grinch stole Christmas? Yeah! Well, COVID stole a lot of us too. Yeah. Totally. But I know how to bring it back. You oh, know? Yeah. Maybe we can shop local. Yes. Oh. Yeah, there are really cool businesses that we can help. Oh. Maybe we can list them on our website, www.commongroundexperiment.org. Oh, good idea. Maybe this idea could save 2020. Yeah. 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 Okay. Merry Christmas! Happy Kwanzaa! Happy Holidays! Alright! Happy Hanukkah! Happy New Year! Woohoo! Let's support our local businesses and organizations this holiday season. Check out our holiday gift guide at www.commongroundexperiment.org.
hopes for our country in 2021? Ooh, that we all become much more empathetic. I think that's what the world is lacking. So, you know, like sympathy, sympathy means like being sad for somebody when they're sad. But empathy is like understanding where somebody comes from and like walking in their shoes and putting yourself in their predicament. And I think if the world was more empathetic and thought of others more, then we'd be in a much better place (laughs) than we are now. So I hope our empathy grows. I hope we love each other more and better. I hope that, yeah, I just hope we're more considerate of everyone and kind of, it, it, it probably sounds like kiddish, but I hope everyone lives by the golden rule more and just do unto others as you would have them do unto you and live that way. It's that simple if we can just do it, <laughs> you know? <laughs> what were you like when you were at our age? How old are you? Ten. Inquisitive. I was very much a child who actually, hold on. Mom, what was I like when I was ten? So Gymnastics at 10, right? I think. Um, or or you tap. You were younger than you did tap around that age. Tap and jazz, yeah. I was in dance. In soccer. I took ASL. I took American Sign Language. I do remember that. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh, okay. Thanks. That was awesome. There you go, guys. <laughs> what advice do you have for kids? I was about to say don't grow up, but you can't do that. So, let me give you something you can actually do. Probably never stop dreaming. And again, I know that probably sounds like very like lofty and like big or even childish. But when you become an adult, like right now, you don't realize it. But the way that your mind works, you pretty much think that you can do anything. Even if you don't, like even if you're like kind of scared about it, you still kind of think you can do it. But the older you get and the more you see in life, the more you experience, you become afraid of things and you start thinking about what you have to lose. Like right now, you don't have much to lose, right? Like the mom or dad might get mad at you, but that's pretty much it. But the older you get, you become more afraid of doing things and that can like stifle your dreams. It'll kill some of your dreams if you let it. So just never stop dreaming. Never think that just because you're a girl or that you're young or that where you come from or what you don't have that you can't do something you can do anything nothing is impossible impossible is a big word thrown around by small men who don't have the desire or fortitude to get it done so yeah just don't stop dreaming like the world is waiting on you girl amen (laughs) what is the hardest thing you've ever done hardest thing i've ever done was to probably forgive somebody who didn't apologize to me. It was hard because I felt like I shouldn't have to. It was hard because I was still sad and hurt about what they did. It was hard because because I felt like they didn't deserve it, right? But when I thought about like how good God is, all the grace that he gives me that I don't deserve every day for the things that I do, and the fact that me not forgiving them was really hurting me more, something I kind of had to do. And it's something I still struggle with sometimes, right? So, like, 
if me and my friends get into an argument or like my boyfriend makes me mad, like I don't want to forgive them because I shouldn't have to because I'm upset because they hurt me because I was the one who I'm the victim. But in the end, I have to think about grace. And if I want God to extend his grace to me, I have to extend grace to other people. I think we've all experienced that feeling, right? Whether it's with brothers and sisters or friends, that's a lesson we have to learn, I think, on the daily. That's a good one. And and you're so right. Like, remembering God's grace is the thing that makes us able to do it over and over. His grace never runs out. Never runs out. So we can never runs out, thankfully. Are you inspired by Kamala Harris? Oh, am I? Man. So I never, so I, I wasn't old enough to vote for Barack Obama during his first election. But the second election, I like block walked for him. I canvassed for him. Like, and I was first in line to vote. And I honestly didn't think I would see a, another black person in the Oval Office for a very long time. Maybe not even in my lifetime, right? Especially like with the way that the world was looking and all the hate that was in the air from like 2016 to today. I just didn't see it happening. And so to see a woman who was not perfect, who is not perfect, right? Who has her faults, who has done things, who has had to apologize for things that she's done, but who is now for the people and wants to push this mission and vision of unity forward. Yeah, it's extremely inspiring to know that her parents were immigrants, that she went to a historically black college, that she's in the same sorority as all of my family is in. Like, that is so inspiring to me. What is your definition of success? Ooh, that's hard. I guess I say it's hard, but it should be easy. I say it's hard because I can be a perfectionist sometimes, right? Like, I want everything to be exactly right. I want all the, the T's crossed and all the I's dotted and all my ducks in a row all the time. And so a lot of the times I'm hard on myself and I'm hard on the people around me because I want, I want the best. And so when I'm working on a project or when I'm thinking about my life, I can sometimes uh, get down on myself and not feel like I'm being successful at the things that I'm doing because it's not perfect or it's not my vision of success in the moment. But then I have to go back one to God's grace and two to his vision for my life and his plan for my life. And when I think about, okay, am I loving people like Christ loved people? Yes. Am I forgiving people and being graceful with people like Christ says? Yes. Am I telling people about his word and like trying to bring people into the light? Yes. Okay, then I'm being successful. And when I think about success like that, everything else, it doesn't matter, right? And so even if I'm on my job or I'm working on a project for work and it's not going exactly how I want it to go, I'm still pressing towards the mark, right? Like I'm still trying my best. I'm praying to God every day that he helps me do those things because I know I can't do it without him. If I'm doing those things, then I'm being successful. So I know that was a long answer for a short question, but that's my answer. (laughs) That's good. That's good. Loving God and loving people and loving yourself because you're his and that's all we can do. Yeah. What is something you wish everyone knew about you? I love country music. I know that's really random, but I love country music. I love horses. I don't know. And I guess that my family is probably the most important thing in the world. We're very, very close. We do almost everything together. And like when I have children, I want them to be able to experience my family in that same way, if that makes sense. So, yeah, I guess those are probably the things. That makes me so happy that you are with your family right now, Ben. Like, in, are you in the, in the home? Is that where you grew up, where you are right now? So, no, I'm at my brother's house right now. I'm going to my grandma's house. Why would I get off this call? Oh, 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 that's so good. Okay, I was thinking you were there. Yeah. My next question.
question is a biggie. So as a teacher, I just feel an ever-growing responsibility to continue to provide a diversity of voices and perspectives for my students. I do not think that we are given history texts that are give us what we need to teach our kids. And I want to provide perspectives that are diverse and who honor everyone's voice and represent people in a way that honors them and that and I want to do it with sensitivity and I want to do it the right way and so right now I just I feel like I'm always looking and learning and trying to find those but there's not something out there like in terms of for teachers that's a published text to you and like like, maybe I need to be the one to put that together I don't know but I'm looking and I'm I don't know if do you know Mockingbird History Lessons it's a a lady named Marcy Walker and she kind of puts out a lesson each week she's really great and then I have Britt Bennett and Austin Channing and then, but I'm looking anyway. I just wondered if you have come across certain people that you would recommend for that have you know in your experience that if you have if you've come across any people that you would recommend that would be good resources for helping with that. Well, one, and this is you're going to be like, why him? Because he's an author, but Tanahasi Coates, and I say him because his first book, Between the World and Me, was a book to his son about what it was like to be a person of color, a black man in America, right? And so he has like these kind of cliff notes in it. I think that may possibly be useful. Okay. Somebody, somebody in the city specifically is Amber Sims. Amber Sims runs Young Leaders Strong Cities. And it's essentially a program that's inspiring the next generation. Sophia to take over from us and to be intersectional leaders of tomorrow. And I think she'll be a great resource. That's good. That's good. I can absolutely put you guys in. I would love that. I just, I just, yeah, I want, that's the whole point of this podcast is I want my kids to learn from people, from leaders who are doing, I mean, I have leaders who are in the business world and in the journalism world and in all different walks of life right. that are making a difference. And I want them to see the, where they might plug it to be, to be a voice of unity in some way. But yeah, that's great. Thank you. Also, yeah. Even Kenya, I love you. And, and then there's a couple offers that are that I like, but that's good. Okay, folks and Amber Slims. Thank you. That's good. Okay, well, this has been so good. We have at the end of every episode, we do what we call rapid fire questions. So, girls, are y'all ready for, to do rapid fire? All right, here we go. Get ready. French fries. Ooh, good one. Favorite type of music? R&B. Who's your hero? My mom. What's your favorite Bible verse? Probably First Timothy four twelve. Don't let anybody think less of you because you are young, but be an example to all believers in what you say and the way you live and your love and your faith and your purity. Favorite book? The Alchemist. Favorite movie? I love movies, man. This is a little bit of a cheat, but the Pirates of the Caribbean series. Like, I, I love those movies. Favorite hobby? Reading, writing, shopping, traveling. Favorite place? My favorite place. That's actually really hard. I love Fair Park, though, so I'm going to say Fair Park. Favorite holiday? Christmas. Name three things you're grateful for. That none of my family has been adversely affected by COVID. Like, they're all very healthy, thankfully. That I have friends and family that love me and support me and my dreams and things that I want to do. And three, that Miss Gloria invited me to talk to y'all. Yeah. 
Well, we feel the same way. Thank you so much for taking time on the day before Thanksgiving to visit with us. Gosh, isn't that good? You girls can unmute for a minute. But we, this has been just so good. And I am just so grateful for your example for these young ladies. And for me, I'm just so inspired by you and what you do. And I just thank you so much for spending time with us. And I will let you go so you can get to your grandmother's house. <laughs> Well, that concludes another episode of Colorful Conversations. If you'd like to learn more about the Abed Project or Samaji and her work, check out the links below in our show notes. Samaji, thank you for your reminders to never stop dreaming and to always extend grace to ourselves and others. Sophia, Ella, Grace, and Emma, you did a wonderful job hosting today. Thanks, girls. And everyone else, thanks so much for tuning in. Until next time, keep the conversation going and always keep it colorful.